some reflections on being off social media. Last summer, I decided to stop using Twitter. I gave up YouTube as well as part of my own digital declutter in the fall during the first session of Life of Focus. Since it's been several months since I've stopped using social media, I thought I would reflect on some of my personal experiences. Now, it's possible I might go back to some limited use at some point, but for now, the benefits of being off-platform greatly outweigh the costs. Still, I don't want this podcast episode to be misconstrued as some kind of permanent commitment. If you're listening to this years later and I'm no longer following this, well, there's no contradiction. I merely thought I'd share some of my experiences now while the transition is still relatively fresh. I should also note that while I don't use social media personally these days, my business definitely does. So I'm not typically the person that does the posting on Instagram or Twitter, but my team uses most of the major platforms to hopefully convert more people to read our weekly newsletter or listen to this podcast. Motivations for going off-platform. Now, I'm somewhat less antagonistic towards social media than my off-collaborator, Cal Newport. I think they're potentially a vice, but they can also be really entertaining and have some worthwhile benefits. Thus, I'm only speaking from my own experience rather than offering a universal prescription. My own impetus to switch off came from two places. First, the overall level of nastiness on platforms, particularly Twitter. I would often follow people for their academic or entrepreneurial expertise, only to find my feed was mostly full of culture-warring threads. At first, I tried to diminish this through careful filters, uh, removing tweets that mentioned Trump was a start, but I was beginning to feel a bit like Sisyphus by the end. Second, the additional time wasted beyond the good content. This was particularly true of YouTube. There's a lot of really good content channels on YouTube, and I had many that I followed and I loved all their new videos. Three Blue, One Brown, Historia Civilis, and World War II in Real Time were a few. But these showed up at most a couple times per week. The rest of the time, my feed was full of stuff I probably didn't need to watch. I was also interested just to see what going off social media completely would do for my life. It was a much more positive change than I had expected, as the impulse to check social media declined considerably, and I found alternatives to replace my previous information sources. Off-platform, not off the internet. I still use the internet quite a bit, so my transition wasn't towards a life of reading books by candlelight. Instead, I feel like my internet usage now is much closer to how it was when I began blogging. Curated information sources rather than algorithmic feeds. RSS remains an underrated technology. I follow a few dozen blogs and their articles that let me get the echoes of current Twitter debate without having to wade into the muck myself. Marginal Revolution is one I like in particular, given Tyler Cowen's voracious reading habits. Feedly is a good place to start if you want to try RSS. Much of my previous random YouTube watching time is now on online courses instead. While I have also been reading more as well, there are some times when I'd prefer to watch than to read, say if I'm having a quick lunch by myself, and online classes help fill that gap. My phone use is now much more heavily skewed toward reading. These days, it's mostly my Kindle app and the New York Times website. Now, I still check my phone quite a bit, uh, but I find that the fact that the news doesn't refresh nearly so often means that I'm not sucked in nearly as much as I was before. And recently, I found out you can also follow YouTube channels via RSS, so this solves my previous dilemma about what to do with my favorite channels. 
Now I only get new updates from sources I'm actually subscribed to, not just any possible video that comes up on YouTube. Benefits of going off social media. The transition away from social media was a lot easier than I had expected in the long term. The short term can be quite difficult because many of the habits to check are strongly reinforced. However, several months out, I'm now wondering why I was fussing over it. This raises, at least in my mind, the value of the argument that social media is a mild kind of addiction or compulsive behavior. If withdrawal seems hard in the short term, but barely noticeable in the long term, it seems unlikely to me that our collective social media use is entirely derived from us getting value from the activity. Initially, a major benefit of cutting social media was reclaiming quite a bit of time. However, as replacement activities such as reading or more constrained internet use have filled up some of this, the time gap just doesn't seem so salient anymore. The opposite feeling, how did I used to have time for this, is what I tend to feel now. I also think the anxiety-lowering effects of going off Twitter are more significant than the time savings. While I definitely enjoyed the intellectual discussions, the overall hostility definitely made me more anxious. Uh, The feature of modern social media, where it becomes more appealing the more it makes you miserable, seems like its biggest flaw. Now, not all platforms share this problem equally. YouTube and Reddit were largely time wasters for me, rather than being anxiety provoking. Reddit does seem to have a lot of caustic discussion, but since you can choose which subreddits you follow, you can simply omit those that are talking about something you don't care about. However, in the end, I found the intellectual caliber of conversations on Reddit was fairly low, so it was mostly for entertainment for me. Now, why is Twitter smart and nasty, but Reddit is dull and fun? Well, the choice to follow people than topics seems pivotal here. Twitter allows you to follow the smartest minds, but you get everything they're interested in, not just their expertise. Reddit's upvoting system instead gives a kind of intellectual populism where the majority opinion rules the day, but this tends not to be the most insightful analysis. So my verdict is that following blogs via RSS is superior on both counts, even if it requires more time to maintain and curate a blog rule. So what are the downsides? Well, right now the balance of pros to cons of ditching social media is definitely toward the pro for me but I can comment on a few side effects that I observed that I have worked to mitigate. So one of them is that I did become a little less informed of current events. Part of me reactivating my New York Times subscription was to counter the fact that I suddenly had lost most of my breaking news. I'm somewhat ambivalent to whether being constantly informed is a good thing, but it is something to note. Second, I found it harder to stay in contact with some friends. Before, I had some Twitter friends and some friends who mostly messaged me via Facebook. And because of my absence, I'm probably going to miss some communication there. There may be some costs to this, especially for my business. But I suspect the long-run shift to deeper relationships with people offline is going to more than make up for it. Third, RSS and newsletters need more active management. The advantage of algorithms is that they do all the work for you. They figure out what you like to read and watch and make sure you see it first. If you use RSS or get most of your content via email newsletters, you are responsible for unsubscribing when the volume gets too high or the content irrelevant. Now, I've been doing this for years, so this was easy for me, but it is an important factor to keep in mind. Maintaining your own feed is more work. Now, people are telling me about new social media services like Clubhouse and TikTok. No thank you. 
I can't rule out the possibility that there will be a new service that is worth it for me in the long run or existing services manage to remove some of their toxicity, but I'm doubtful. Not because it would be impossible, just because it wouldn't be as popular or profit-generating. In the end, however, I'm optimistic about content online. There is a lot of good discussion, entertainment, and educational materials, and it's getting better every year. But I think curating your own access to that content is probably better than allowing a company to do it for you. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website at scotthyoung.com.